Well, I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me in Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32, verses 1 through 32 will be our text this morning as we continue walking our way through the very first book of the Bible. And so I would certainly encourage you to grab a copy of God's Word. If you didn't bring one this morning, there should be some in the seat back in front of you. Uh, you can also use your phone. The text will be up on the screen this morning as well. I want you to follow along with us as we work through God's Word this morning, verse by verse. Our elementary kids are with us throughout the time this morning. And so kids, I am glad that you're here because sometimes your mom, dad, and grandparents don't pay attention to Pastor Michael, so I need your help this morning, okay? So make sure that they are paying attention this morning, you as well, as we look together at God's Word, Genesis chapter 32, verses 1 through 32. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you had to trust the Word of someone else? I told you I played baseball in college, and my junior year, the athletic director of our college, our university, said, I need your help with something. He said, and it will be worth your while if you will help me. He said, here's the deal. I have a group of donors that are coming in for the athletic program. They are ready to give a lot of money to the school's athletic program. And I'd love to have a student athlete who would come and share with them about their experience here on campus and what that looks like. I said, sure, I'll come and I'll do that. And he said, at the end, he said, it will be on me four tickets to go watch the Atlanta Braves play baseball. I thought, Pastor Scott, right? Perfect trip. And so I said, sure, I'll do that. So I, I took care of that. I did the speaking engagement like he asked me to do, answered questions of the donors and headed out. And he said, listen, you look at the schedule, you pick a game that you wanna go to and, and you head up there and there will be tickets waiting for you at the press box. And I said, okay, perfect. So I got a friend of mine, my roommate, and his dad and my dad, we take off to Atlanta. We go up to the press box, and I said, Michael Kennedy, feeling pretty important, right? I have tickets waiting on me. And the ticket person said, uh, there's no tickets here by that name. I said, oh, no. No, you don't understand. There are tickets that are waiting on me here. She said, no, they're not waiting on you here. I said, well, so I pick up the phone and I reached out to my athletic director. I said, I'm at the ticket booth and there are no tickets in my name. He said, huh, wonder how that happened. We had driven two hours up to Atlanta at that point. He said, here's what I want you to do. Let me make a phone call. I'll call you back. Just be ready. I said, Okay. So he calls me back. He said, here's what I need you to do. This is Turner Field, downtown Atlanta, pretty rough area. He said, I want you to walk to the back of the stadium, and I want you to cross the street and go left. And he said, I want you to find where these two streets intersect, and on the corner will be a guy by the name of Big John. 
Big John will have your tickets. And I thought, I'm going to die in Atlanta today. But interestingly enough, I walk, I go exactly where he told me to go, and there on the street corner was Big John, who was about five foot four. And he said, are you here for the tickets? And I said, I'm here for the tickets. And he handed me the tickets. We went into the game. Everything was fine. I get back to the school and I told the athletic director, I said, that's the craziest thing I ever did. And he said, you gotta trust me. You know, as we think about our relationship with the Lord, especially when it comes to difficult circumstances, especially when it comes to moments where we just can't see how it's going to work out. Will we trust the Lord? As we look at the text this morning, I want to read for us Genesis chapter 32, beginning in verse 1 and walking through verse 32 this morning. This is God's word. Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he called the name of that place Mahanaim. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, instructing them, thus you shall say to my Lord Esau, thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants, and female servants. I have sent to tell my Lord in order that I might find favor in your sight. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he is coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two camps, thinking if Esau comes to the one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So he stayed there that night, and from what he had with him, he took a present for his brother Esau, 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milking camels and their calves, 40 cows and 10 bulls. 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. These he handed over to his servants. Every drove by itself and said to his servants, pass on ahead of me and put space between drove and drove. He instructed the first, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, to whom do you belong? Where are you going? And whose are these ahead of you? 
And you shall say, they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a present sent to my Lord Esau. And moreover, he is behind us. He likewise instructed the second and the third and all who followed the droves. You shall say the same thing to Esau when you find him. And you shall say, moreover, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he thought, I may appease him with the present that goes ahead of me. And afterward, I shall see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present passed on ahead of him. And he himself stayed that night in the camp. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 children, and crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men, and it prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip, Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. As we dive into the text this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together as we consider these verses in Genesis chapter 32. It's this truth, daily we are tempted to forsake a life of God dependency in favor of a life of self sufficiency. Every single day as followers of Jesus, if that's who you are this morning, you are tempted to forsake a life of God dependency in favor of a life of self-sufficiency. You know, as we look at the text this morning, I want us to take note of of a couple of things that we see, and then I want to try to build out the framework as we walk through those this morning. But let me start at the beginning as we think about that main idea that we are tempted to forsake a life of God dependency in favor of self-sufficiency. If you are a follower of Jesus this morning, I don't want you to forget and lose sight of the fact that there was a moment in your life 
where you realized and understood that you could not in and of your own strength and your own power fix the sin problem that you have in your life. Self-sufficiency would not work to satisfy the sin problem within your life. And you realize that the only hope that you have is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Total dependence on what Jesus Christ did on your behalf on the cross. His life, his death, his resurrection, the only hope that you had for salvation, you declared at the moment of salvation that reality. If you're here this morning and you've never taken that step of trusting Jesus Christ, I want you to know that a life of self-sufficiency will not satisfy the deepest longing of your heart. It will not fix your sin problem. It will not satisfy what God says must be true about you, and that is perfect righteousness. And it is only available in a relationship with Jesus Christ. With that as our framework, let's look first and foremost at this reality. For us as followers of Jesus, who have waved the white flag of surrender, who have recognized that self-sufficiency will not satisfy the sin problem in our lives, let's all be honest with one another. If we're not careful, we will operate in our lives as if we can handle walking out the Christian life in our own strength and in our own power. Instead of being God-dependent, we will think we can be self-sufficient. So here's the caution. Beware the temptation of living by sight and not by faith. Christian, beware the temptation of living by sight and not by faith. Kids, I want to help you out. This may help mom and dad, grandparents out as well. If you want to draw a picture to illustrate this, draw the picture of an eye and the greater sign and the cross. Sight over faith. Beware of living by sight and not by faith. Well, let's look at Jacob because that's exactly what Jacob is doing in these first 21 verses here in our text this morning. Now, don't forget what's going on in Jacob's life at this point. Pastor Cody did a masterful job last week walking us through Genesis chapter 31. As we saw the faithfulness of God, his presence his provision, his protection in Jacob's life in a moment of crisis with Laban, his father-in-law. And as they part ways in verse 43, Jacob is leaving now to head back to his homeland. The Lord has said, it is time to go home. And so Jacob, in verse 1, went on his way. And the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he called the name of that place, Mahan name. You got to think in this moment for Jacob, this is a 
pinnacle moment for him. He is heading home. He has to camp somewhere, and as he gets ready to camp, the angels of the Lord show up, and Jacob goes, now we're in business, boys. The Lord is here. God is with me. But very quickly, Jacob's past catches up with him. Verse 3, it says, Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, instructing them, thus you shall say to my Lord Esau, thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen and donkeys and flocks and male servants and female servants. I have sent to tell my Lord in order that I might find favor in your sight. Remember Esau, Jacob's twin brother, the twin brother who was the firstborn, who had the birthright and the blessing that Jacob had stolen from him, first by tricking Esau with a pot of stew, second by tricking his father Isaac, pretending to be Esau. Remember, the last time that they were together, Esau had determined in his heart that he would kill his brother Jacob. And now, Jacob knows to get home. He has to pass by Esau. So as you notice there, he decides, I need to figure out how this thing is going to work. Says he sent messengers out to relay some information to Esau to say, hey, Jacob's coming. But notice what he says about himself. Jacob, not the most humble man in the world. He says, let Esau know I got stuff. I got camels, I got donkeys, I got servants. Kind of a big deal where I'm coming from. Notice that verse 6, the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he is coming to meet you. And there are, uh-oh, 400 men with him. And these are not bankers who are with him. These are trained warriors coming with Esau to meet his swindling brother, Jacob. Verse 7. Jacob said, Who cares? The Lord is with me. Is that what your Bible says? Mine either. It says in verse 7, Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed absolutely terrified at what was about to take place. Under that heading, beware the temptation of living by sight and not by faith, write down this first truth. Living by sight is sure to increase fear and distress. 
If you are a follower of Jesus and you are living by sight, just what you can see ahead of you and what you can work to figure out in your own strength and in your own power, instead of walking by faith, trusting in the Lord, the promise is that fear and distress will come. That's exactly what Jacob experiences. Fear, distress, And so he begins to work at the second part there, verse 7, he divided the people who were with him, the flocks and the herds and camels, into two camps, thinking if Esau comes to the one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. Jacob, ever the schemer, even in this moment, develops a plan for how he's going to fix this situation. You know, it's interesting in this because I don't know about you, but I often find myself in this same spot. If a difficult situation arises, let me ask you this. Is your first inclination to try to fix it in your own strength, in your own power, To be like Jacob in this moment, terrified, greatly afraid, distressed, and working to try to fix the situation in front of you. And yet the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, you may want to write down that verse. He says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. See, for us as followers of Jesus, we don't have to live in distress and fear. We can live in a relationship with the Lord totally dependent on him. You say, Pastor, that sounds almost too good to be true. And I would say it is too good to be true, except it's what God's word tells us. And if God's word declares it for us as followers of Jesus, we must believe it. I want you to notice, beginning in verse 9 and walking through verse 12, this second truth under that heading, beware the temptation of living by sight and not by faith. Living by sight is sure to increase prayers that are self-seeking and presumptive. Prayers that are self-seeking and presumptive. Now you look at verse 9 through 12 and you think, man, I mean, it wasn't Jacob's first inclination, but at least it was his second to pray. And the content of Jacob's prayer is not bad. In fact, Jacob says a lot of true things in these verses. Let's look at them. Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I crossed this Jordan and now I have become two camps. 
Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Now you look at that and you think, man, that was a good prayer. What Jacob says is really good. I mean, he is lifting up the Lord. He said, God, you are the one who said to go back home. And I'm walking in obedience to you. God, you are the one who said that you would provide to me everything that I need. And I'm trusting that you're going to do that. God, you, you're on the hook here. Now. Maybe thinking, well, what's wrong with Jacob's prayer? The content of Jacob's prayer is not bad. The heart of Jacob, who's uttering this prayer, is a whole lot more focused on his self sufficiency than on God dependency. Because if he had simply, when he heard Esau's coming, said, Lord, you promised. I believe, and even as we see in Jesus' ministry, help my unbelief. And I'm going to sit and wait on you to do what you said you were going to do. But notice that's not what Jacob does. Jacob utters this prayer, but then in verse 13, Jacob starts scheming, Jacob starts plotting. This is the third truth. Living by side is sure to increase scheming and plotting. Jacob's looking around and he's going, I got to figure this thing out. He did that to start with. Then he went to prayer and then he went from prayer to trying to fix it again. You ever been there? Christian, can we be honest with each other in this moment that we often do this exact same thing? Where we look at a situation and we pick it up and we go, I got to fix this. I got to handle this. And then we go, oh, wait, the Lord has promised to work in and through me. I need to trust him. Lord, I'm going to put this at your feet. We walk away. Lord, um, it's at your feet. Lord, he's still coming. All right, Lord, let me pick this back up. Let me fix this. You ever been there? That's exactly what Jacob does. Notice verse 13. So he stayed there that night. And from what he had with him, he took a present for his brother Esau. Listen, Jacob's mindset is, if I can't help him see that I'm a big deal, and if God's not going to fix the situation in my time, Maybe I can bribe my brother. Maybe I can give him gifts and then his anger will dissipate. So he says, let's take a present. Notice in verse 14, 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milking camels and their calves, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, 10 male donkeys and two turtle doves, right? grabs all of this stuff, 
all of these possessions, think about this, possessions that he had received because of God's faithfulness to him. And he tells his servants, you start moving towards Esau. And you split up these gifts so that there will be simply a barrage of gift after gift after gift after gift after gift coming to meet Esau. That's exactly what he tells his servants. He says, when Esau, my brother, meets you, verse 17, and asks you, to whom do do you belong? Where are you going? And whose are these ahead of you? You will say they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a present sent to my Lord Esau. And moreover, he is behind us. And the second one he sent out with the same instruction. And the third and all of those that were following. Jacob thought, maybe God needs my help to fix this situation. I want you to notice in verse 22, after all of this is done, after everything is sent out, it says the same night he arose, he took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 children. He crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. I issued this caution, beware the temptation of living by sight and not by faith. But notice this second heading, behold the thrill of living by faith and not by sight. The thrill of living by faith and not by sight. Kids, if you want to draw a picture here, you simply reverse the drawing from before. The cross, which represents faith and the Lord over sight. Picture of an eye there. You see, because in this moment, Jacob is about to have an encounter with the Lord. And God is about to work in his life in such a way to strip him of everything that he has and bring him to the recognition once again that regardless of how much you may scheme and how much you may try, how much you may seek to work, Jacob, I am in control. I am at work in your life and will work through your life life. Verses 22 through 24, notice this first truth, living by faith is sure to bring us to the end of ourselves. Jacob in this moment has to be brought to the end of himself. Think about this. Everything that Jacob has is now gone. Jacob is unsure whether what he has will still be there come morning. And in verse 24, Jacob was left alone. You ever found yourself in a spot where the Lord has allowed everything 
that you had hoped in and depended on to be stripped away, where you were exposed and it was just you alone. It's exactly where Jacob finds himself. Notice what happens. It says, a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. So Jacob is alone. He sent his family away. He sent all of his goods away. He is by himself. And it's a WWF moment. We find out later in the scriptures that it's an angel that is wrestling with Jacob here. He wrestles with him until the breaking of the day. All night long, Jacob is wrestling with this angel. All night long, Jacob is coming to the realization that he has nothing. That he is exposed before God. And hear me this morning, as a follower of Jesus, there are moments in our lives where the Lord will allow everything in our lives to be stripped away so that he can work in our lives in a powerful way. We don't like that. We don't want that. And yet oftentimes it takes that for God to work in us the way that he desires to work in us. You may be here this morning, and for you as a follower of Jesus, that's where you are. Everything's stripped away. Seemingly no hope, no understanding, no way to figure out what the next step is. Bear before the Lord. Verse 25, the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob. He touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? Now hear me this morning, the angel knew Jacob's name. This was less about an introduction and more about Jacob coming to the realization of what his name meant. His name meant cheat, swindler, crook. And the angel says, Jacob, what's your, what's your name? And he responds to him and says, my name is Jacob. Verse 28, he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Jacob gets a new name. Second truth, living by faith is sure to bring us to the place where God can work powerfully in us. And the truth is, God must work in us before he will work through us. He had to work in Jacob to bring Jacob from the mindset of, I'm a swindler, I'm a cheat, I've got to figure this thing out in my own ability, to I am totally dependent on the Lord. 
And that's exactly where Jacob finds himself. Jacob said, tell me your name. He said, why is it that you ask my name? And there the angel blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. As the sun rose upon him, he passed Penuel limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, think about this, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because of this situation right here. A remembrance of when Jacob's name was changed, of when Jacob wrestled with the angel sent on behalf of the Lord. The third truth, living by faith, is sure to bring us to the place where God can work powerfully through us. This story is a story, as you see in verse 32, that was proclaimed throughout the nation of Israel for years and years and years after this moment. The work that God had done in Jacob, he ultimately was able to do through Jacob and impact the world. Church, I want to ask you if you would bow your heads with me this morning as we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. You may have come in this morning and for you, you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. Self-sufficiency will not save you. God dependency, trusting in Jesus Christ alone will save you from your sin. As we celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, we'd love to extend that opportunity to you to trust in him today. If that's a step that you'd like to take, we'd love to help you take that step this morning. We'd love to follow up with you after the service. You can fill out a connection card or grab the hand of one of our pastors. We'd love to walk with you through that. We'd simply ask as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, if you've not yet taken that step of trusting Jesus as your Savior, that you would let these elements pass by. But if you are a follower of Jesus this morning, this is a wonderful moment for you simply to press pause and to evaluate the state of your heart today. As we've seen in God's word, it is easy for us as followers of Jesus to get to the point of self-sufficiency in our lives. Is there an area of your life where that is where you are? And this is an opportunity to, for you this morning to wrestle through that, to recognize that, to turn from that, totally dependent on the Lord.
as Pastor Scott plays, just take a few moments as our ushers make their way forward to simply spend time before the Lord this morning. Allow him to examine your heart as we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper together.